Hi guys, Rob here, the podcast editor for Every Mind. Please keep in mind that the podcast was recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic. So if you do take any tips from the podcast, please keep current regulations in mind. The podcast was also recorded in a busy office, so occasionally you might hear some noises in the background. The interview is with George Bell, marketing manager at Sanctus. George shares how suffering with his own mental health led him into a career of helping others. If you like this podcast, don't forget to share and leave a review on iTunes so we can keep bringing you more great podcasts like these. Enjoy the show. But still, I, I swore her to secrecy because I didn't want anyone else at uni to know I was feeling a bit weird because then they wouldn't think I was a real man or, or whatever. So welcome to another episode of the Every Mind at Work podcast. I'm joined with George today from Sanctus. And George, just to begin, if we can kind of go back, what kind of led you into the line of work that you're doing right now? Yeah, so as I'm sure is the case with, with most of us in doing this kind of work, um, I've had my own, my own struggles with my mental health. Um, I think when, when I was younger, I, mental health didn't mean anything to me. I, I knew that I had physical health, but yeah, mental health wasn't a term that, that came into my life. And I think because of that, I didn't pay it any attention. I didn't, I didn't work on it. Um, and yeah, I probably pursued unhealthy habits at, at uni, as, as many of us do. But what I was doing was was neglecting my mental health to, to, to quite a big degree and then I started struggling with mental health and I didn't realise it at the time but it was depression and anxiety and I, I didn't I didn't label it as, as those things for I think it was about a year, like a long, long time because I didn't know it was those things. Um, I, I think even if I did, I or when I eventually did know that, I didn't want to use that label for, for a while because of, of the shame and stigma attached with it. So I think I just went on this, this horrible journey of mental health where this thing's like happened to me and I didn't know what to do about it or what to even call it or where to go for support. And when I, I did eventually um, start seeking support, when I, when I really started struggling, I, I started to become quite suicidal. I knew I needed to, to reach out. Then I, you know, I've just met with long waiting times and, and misinformation and um, I tried different types of, of therapy like hypnotherapy, I was, I was paying one hypnotherapist, I think it was like 400 pounds an hour, um, which is crazy money when I look back and I spent thousands on, on this lady and it didn't, didn't do anything for me and I, you know, I wonder if, I, I, you know, I wonder if it was, if she doesn't help for anyone, it, it was just, so much money to spend on on something that I saw no improvement from and then actually it made me feel even worse because I spent all this money thinking it was going to be the, the silver bullet and, and it wasn't. Um, so I just went on this horrendously long journey with, with my struggles and eventually I found the right therapist and um, yeah, I got back on, on the, road, the road to recovery which, which was amazing but I think just looking back on that whole period I was like I want to do whatever I can to help anyone else ever happen to go through that. But then also, I think back to when I was younger and I didn't even think about mental health. I want people to realise that they have it and they can proactively work on it before they get to the, the kind of shit bit and then have to, to react to it. So, yeah, pretty much since I've, I've come out the other side, it's just been, I've just had like this burning fire in me to, to do something about it, which is funny because before that, you know, was, I, all I wanted was the classic money and suits up in London or whatever. 
Um, whereas now all I think about is is just yeah helping people to um, I guess get out of a tough spot if they're in one, but also to know that by paying attention to their mental health and, and working on it, they can actually grow as as, in, as individuals. Yeah, I think that, I think really I can really resonate with that story personally. Obviously, we know each other a little bit. It's and what really resonated with me as well is when you said that you didn't even know you had mental health. Um, it was the same with me. Mental health, mental illness for the first 18 years of my life was just not in my thought at all until it affects you, until it impacts you. And whenever we do an engagement session, I always kind of ask them anonymously, have you ever struggled with mental health? And it's yes, no, or not sure. And the amount of people that say not sure is because they can't really kind of put a, have I struggled with mental health? They don't really know. So if we can touch on that, what was the kind of turning point? Was there obviously as low as you possibly could go before you seek the help or was it, or was it something else? Yeah, so I think it was about 10 months before I'd even, I had a conversation with someone about the fact I was struggling. So for, for 10 whole months, it was just kept in, in my head. And then it was actually around that 10 month time I started going out with, with this girl and she said something to me like you you can be so cold or you are so cold or something like that and it that really cut me deep because I like to think I'm not a cold person so then it all just came out and I was like look something's going on with me I don't know what it is I just feel weird and I'm, I'm not myself and I don't know like what else to tell you so I, I couldn't even like vocalize it I couldn't even articulate what I was feeling but then she was amazing and she she was doing what she could to support me um you, you know she did as well as she could bearing in mind I, I wasn't really able to tell her how I was feeling but still I, I swore her to secrecy because I didn't want anyone else at uni to know I was feeling a bit weird because then they wouldn't think I was a real man or, or whatever and then I, I just think actually over a period of, of months after that my mental health just deteriorated because I wasn't working on it and I wasn't taking the steps I needed to, to to get better actually I was still doing things I shouldn't shouldn't do I was I was still going out I was partying I wasn't looking after myself um, I was in a job I hated I was working horrendous hours so I was still pushing myself at the other end and actually not not working on on the depression and the anxiety and so I think I just became increasingly worse to the point where um, she started to worry about me and she, she told my parents, my parents got involved. They, you know, strongly suggested I went to the doctor. Um, so I sort of begrudgingly went, went and did that. And that's when I got hit with this label of like major depressive disorder or whatever. Um, and I think also that my parents had a couple of family friends who they knew had, had been through a similar thing and they were trying to tell me to go and speak to them. And again, I was like, no, 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 I don't want anyone outside of this circle to know. And then again, just as after the months, it got worse and worse and I was getting more and more desperate. I was like, okay, let's just have a conversation with, with these people. Um, so I think it was as I became more and more desperate and I started to realize that actually this thing, which I now know was major depressive disorder, wasn't gonna go by itself. And I think then it, it really was when I started to struggle with suicidal thoughts that I, I felt I had to do something. Because before it was just, I felt like it was this thing that would go on its own or, or whatever. Whereas when I got to that period and I was struggling with those thoughts, I was like, right, I'm in, I'm in a bit of shit now because I'm telling myself I need to do this thing. 
So if that's the route I'm going down, then I should do whatever I can to try and avoid that. So that's when I kind of kicked into action. Um, but even then, I mean, it's hard because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the thing you need to kick yourself into action, like your brain, it, it's, it's foggy and it's not working and it's telling me that I shouldn't be here. So it was really hard to, to motivate myself to do it. Um, but I think it, it really was when I was at that desperate point that I thought, I need to do something else, I've got another option. And kind of looking back to obviously see where you're at now and doing the work you're doing in the mental health space, what was it at that point that, that kind of helped you? Was it a series of things that helped or was it this one you know, action that you took that kind of made you start feeling a little bit better? So I, there was like a series of things at first. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're the same, like I got you know, stuck into all the self-help books and <laughs> the motivational quotes on Instagram yeah. and the Tony Robbins videos and I think Watching stuff like that, you know, the motivational quotes kind of inspired me a bit and Tony Robbins videos around mindset started to make me think, oh, maybe I can kind of get my way out of this. Yeah. Um, I started to, to go to CBT, CBT therapy. That that started to help because I felt like I found this this sort of modern therapy. I, you know, I'd always thought that therapy was just going into childhood or whatever. And I was like, I don't, maybe there's stuff there, but I don't, I don't need to go back there. But then I found this therapy that was actually about changing your thoughts and looking ahead and I was like that's a bit more of me so I kind of felt like I found the thing that maybe might help me um, and I think the, the the kind of big catalyst moment for me that, that I always remember is going to see one of my family friends that, that my mum been trying to get me in touch with and yeah I think this this guy was was someone that I like respected so much he was so like warm and loving and and so personable everyone loved him he he was running his own businesses so he was, he was quite successful so I'd always yeah respected him and, and put him on this pedestal and when my mum said to me he he's been through a similar thing as you I was like no way because he he's a real man like mm. you look at him he's, he goes to the gym he's strong he's got his own business and she was like, honestly go and have lunch with him so I went for lunch with him and he just said Look, I don't know. I don't know what's going on for you. Uh, you don't have to share, but I'll tell you what's what has gone on for me in the past. And he said, "Look, I've never told anyone this. Uh, my wife knows a little bit, but not a lot. So don't share it." But here's what happened. And he just he just went into his whole story. And yeah, th- there was so much in that that I was going through. He talked about suicidal thoughts, and I, I was just blown away because I was, I got myself into the state of thinking that I was um, I was broken and. You know, I wasn't a real man and I was never going to achieve the things I wanted to. And actually, there was this guy telling me that he'd been through it, he'd got better, and he'd achieved all the things he'd ever wanted and, and more. So I think that was when I really thought, I can get out of this. Because it can be hard sometimes when you're reading blog posts online, you know, of a, a guy living in the States who's got gone through it, he's got better. Because you're like, cool, he's gone through it, but you know, I'm different, or, or you, you can't really feel connected. Whereas when it was with someone I knew, he just like, looked me in the eye and, and said all of that, that, that gave me a lot of hope. And then I think from there, I, you know, I was, I was still ill for a long time and it, it, it took work, but I, I felt like I knew the work was gonna get somewhere. Whereas mm-hmm. before I was like, am I just going to therapy and, and I'm too broken to fix? Mm-hmm. So I think it comes down again, maybe to the whole vulnerability element of it as well. and. I'm guessing maybe you've seen it. I know we share the same values that everyone has mental health, everyone has a story, everyone should be able to talk about it, we should normalise the conversation around it. 
Have you found now with you being more open about it, you've almost become like that guy who sat opposite you at that, that table and shared his story that helped you. Mm. Have you found people have now gravitated towards you to kind of talk about how they're feeling as well? Yeah, 100%. Like I, I, get, it. I get it a lot on like nights out mm. or, or mates just drop things casually into conversation now. Like, yeah, that thing on the weekend made me feel super anxious. And it's just said as, it, as if it's nothing, whereas I think before it, it wasn't. And, you know, I, I think I, I love that, but I want that for everyone. And yeah. I think what I've learned is that, you know, ev- everyone has a thing they could talk about. Maybe it's not a big a big crisis. Maybe it's just like a little a little niggly thing they want to talk about. But, yeah, people don't want to come across as, as weak or as vulnerable. But actually seeing someone else, especially someone they know, opening up, it gives them the permission to then share the thing they want to share because they know... They can do it without fear of, of judgment. So they start sharing and then people start sharing to them. And I think that's how you create like a wave of people opening up by, you know, you give them permission. I'm sure it's exactly the same with you. You must, you must get it. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I asked. And again, I think it again comes back to that whole, you know, you being open, honest, vulnerable, allows other people to feel safe. And then going back to your original story of you being in that sort of dark place, not wanting your girlfriend to tell anyone else because you felt like you was the only one going through that. Probably when you look back at that, everyone around you was going through something as well. Like since then, I've had you know people say, "Oh yeah, I was going through something similar at uni." And I, yeah, it, it almost like breaks my heart looking back because mm. it just when I was really struggling at uni, I was still the first one on the team sheet on a night out. I was the one pushing, pushing the late nights, the the clubbing, the staying up late. It, it was me in the WhatsApp group trying to round up the troops. So, you know, everyone is forgiven for, for thinking that I was absolutely loving life. Mm. And, and I now know that there's other people in a similar situation who are also hiding things. But again, you, you can put on a brave face so easily. And it's just tiring. As you know, it's, it's exhausting. I was exhausted at uni because I was living, I was living like multiple lives. Like I was trying to be the the happy George everyone knew, whereas really I was really struggling. So I think people just want to be able to take off the mask a little bit and and be who they really are because it can be exhausting, you know, being two different people. And that's not just wearing a mask to hide struggles. It can be, um, you know, wearing a mask that a lot of people put on in the workplace because they feel they have to, to be a certain way. And it, it's just, it's so exhausting. I'm, I'm sure like you'll, you know, you know. A hundred percent. It's like wearing that mask. I always say struggling with mental health is tiring, struggling with mental health, pretending that you're okay is exhausting. It just kind of like amplifies the actual, you know, feelings that you're going through. So um, moving forward, obviously, with Sanctus. So how long have you been working for Sanctus? I've been there about a year and a half now. We've been going for, for three years. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Sanctus first? Yeah, yeah. So Sanctus basically came from the, the sort of place or the belief that a lot of the conversation around mental health, as we sort of touched on, it focuses only on the mental health issue part or, or the one in four that will have a mental health uh, issue stat, which, yeah, as we both know, that we've both been in that bit and it's, it's such an important part of the conversation. But what we kind of say is we want to open that conversation up and actually talk about the fact that you know, four in four people have mental health. It's, it's every single one of us. Um, rather than like separating the two parts, let's talk about it as one spectrum that we're all on. We're all on it together. Um, we can slide up and down at any point, but we should be in it in it together. And you know, I think we basically draw a lot of analogies with with physical health and say that 
um, you know, physical health, the whole spectrum is, is spoken about. People will go to the doctor when they, are, when they feel unwell. At the other end, people are going to the gym or they're, they're working out or they're going for runs or eating healthy. And we want that same conversation to be had around mental health. So to acknowledge that some people will, will struggle and that needs to be, uh, there needs to be support for that. But equally, people, even if they're not struggling, can still work on their mental health. Um, so we, we kind of, it feels like a crazy grand ambition, but one day we want to put mental health gyms like on the high street, every high street around the world, give people a space to work on their mental health proactively. Um, what we basically do at the moment is, is put like a, a version of the gym within the workplace, which takes the form of, of coaching. Um, so we give all individuals, whatever seniority they are, uh, space to, yeah, just, just talk and, and work on the mental health, wherever they're at on the spectrum, um, and it's, it's completely confidential, completely impartial, completely safe. Um, yeah, we just give people a space that they probably never take for themselves. Mm. How, how do you envision those gyms to look? I'm guessing, is, is it kind of been, we want this, we want that? Is it very much like an open environment to people come and share, or is, it, is there more, more to it? To be honest, I think we're about five years off. So there's no like blueprints yet. Yeah. When people ask, my, my, my ideas are already rolling in. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine. <laughs> I, think, I think the dream is that it's just, we just have that, the gym and mm -hmm. in there you can go in for physical health or mental health, spiritual health, financial health, whatever it is, it's just a health gym. And if that means you go in and you you know, you have like a boxing class and then there's a therapist in there and there's a financial consultant and some yoga meditation. I think for me that that's the dream. Maybe there's like group group classes, group therapy, group coaching. Um, I think that that is the dream because, yeah, you know, when when you're looking after every part of your well-being, whether it's, it's your money or it's your mind or, or your body, when all of that's in sync, that's when you're at your best. So... I almost I don't want to see like a virgin active and then a sanctus. Yeah, yeah. I don't want just like one space and people know they can go in there for, for all their health. And I think what's really important with with the gym is the community element of it as well. You know, you go there and you work out on your own, but you know, you have that community feel where you can connect with other people. It's normally around physical health, what you're working on. I think that community element around mental health is 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 needed as well. You know, it's such an important part of of my recovery and I think a lot of people's recovery is to have that community in place. Mm. Um, so in terms of you working in, in companies uh, for Sanctus, what have you seen is a lack at the moment? Like what are companies maybe missing out on that they can do to improve mental health at work? Mm. I think um, for a start, I think the attitudes of, of managers and senior leaders isn't, isn't where it needs to be and that that is what sets the precedent and the culture within a business. So if a leader is, is standing up and telling people that, you know, stress is part of the job or which, you know, is part of jobs, but if they're saying that it, it doesn't, you know, you can't, you can't talk about it here or you need to just work through it or um, you need to, be, need to be more resilient, then it, it sends the message down that actually struggle isn't isn't accepted here and then people don't talk about it and then we get into situations where we've been in where you don't talk about it and then it becomes worse so i think senior leader attitudes need, needs to change and then i think also then that a lot of companies aren't catering for the whole mental health spectrum as as we're doing i know you're doing you want to talk about the whole mental health spectrum i think a lot of companies focus only on the one in four part which 
yeah, such an important part. You, you need things in place for that, but actually preventative measures can stop people getting to that, that point as well. Um, so I think that those are the two things um, for me that, yeah, leaders set the tone and then you've got a full like program in place. And if leaders are endorsing that, then there's top-down pressure, but actually there's then bottom-up pressure because employees start to get behind it. And then as you say, there's a, a community field develops and people start talking to each other. And when you've got colleagues talking to colleagues, you've got colleagues talking to managers, you've got like a wealth of support in place, then I just think you're, you're, you're catering for everyone's needs and, and that's how you're making the real change um, within that company, but then obviously that trickles out in, into society too. Yeah, I agree. And I think it empowers all employees as well if they can be a part of that change too. Mm-hmm. So I think I agree it starts at the top, but if we can empower employees as well to, to speak openly about it. And I'm guessing what you was kind of talking about there is at the moment, it's very reactive. Even like mental health first aid is obviously very reactive. Whereas like if we can focus more on the proactive side of it. Because yeah, what, what I think, so I, my whole, I was ill for like two and a half years. And I think as I said, the, the first 10 months, I, maybe towards the end of that, I was starting to struggle more, but at least for the beginning bit, I definitely just felt weird. Like I'm sure there was a bit of anxiety and a bit of depression, but I probably, I wasn't in a terrible, terrible state, but I didn't think I needed to work on it then. Mm. I think if I'd known that mental health was a thing then and I needed to be more proactive, I could have worked on the thing then and probably prevented it ever having to get to the point where I was suicidal or I was bouncing from therapist to therapist. So I think it's about helping people to be proactive, even if they're in a good period. But actually, there's a lot of people who I think probably just feel a little bit off kilter or a little bit weird who could be preventative and, and then not have to, to go to the, the reactive solution when it, mm. when it gets really bad. But typically in this country, we, or anywhere really, we wait until the thing's bad to then get the support, right? Yeah, so true. And I, I talk a lot about that with, with, with my dad. Like when I share his story, the, the breakdown was, was overnight. It was the dad that we all knew. Overnight, behaviors changed in seven days time he attempted suicide um but i also now talk about how in my dad's mind it wasn't overnight in my dad's mind he had those thoughts those feelings feeling all of this for years which we didn't know and i don't think he knew like how do you put he probably didn't know what he was going through Mm. so the day my dad got help and went to seek for the doctors was exactly the same as what you've said when he's at a crisis point of i feel like i'm going to do something I need help. Whereas as I look at it now, if, if maybe my dad got help three years ago, mm-hmm. you know, four years before that, two years before that, maybe the story would have been completely different. Mm-hmm. So I'm completely with you on that. Now, do you think a lot of companies avoid proactive solutions because it's a long-term change rather than a quick fix that then maybe they can obviously... Yeah, and I think, I think companies are caught up in looking at what's the ROI of, of mental health. So if I invest in this thing, what am I going to get back? And I think a bit more data and, and stats are coming into the conversation. Obviously the work you're doing, you're looking at data already, which is amazing, but it's probably not quite where it needs to be yet for companies to, to fully get behind it. So, you know, physical health, companies just invest in because it's, it's the right thing to do. 
and they just know that, but they're not like measuring the ROI of, of employees going to the gym. They're not yeah, like true. checking their weight or their muscle growth. Whereas mental health, they're, they're caught up in this need to find the ROI and because that's hard to prove. Companies are like, I don't want to invest in this huge proactive solution for people that are fine. Like I don't need to pay for something when they, they don't need anything. So I think that that's the issue. It's hard because you almost can't, you know, I can talk about the fact that I still go to coaching now and it's helping me to, to level up and I'm growing and working my mental health and it's amazing, but that's all qualitative and, you know, CEO of a big company is going to say to me, well, what, what does that mean for my work? And I can say, well, I work hard and I'm more productive, but they're like, well, what's that like in, in numbers? I think it's so hard to prove it. Like, I know being proactive is making me a better version of myself, mm-hmm. but it's hard to put that into, into numbers and stats. Where you do get numbers and stats are the people that get signed off work because they're ill or sick days lost or if you bring in an EAP, maybe that reduces. So you can see that really easily where it's hard, it's hard to see the, the proactive part. It's so true. I've never thought of it that way that their you know, physical health is just here it is, you know, use it as an initiative. They're not tracking it, but with mental health, they want yeah. something from it. And it's even just far behind the conversation is. Mm, do you think there'll be a time where there's parity of esteem between physical health and mental health. Do you think we're a long way from it? I, I, there's like two parts of me wrestle with that question. I got like <laughs> the optimist in me. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, I would get there. But then I think I think the realist in me is it, it says we've got a long, a long, long way to go. Um, I, you know, I think even even I don't know if you're the same, but I think just even doing doing the work I do in being in the industry. So even sometimes I'm. If I don't feel my best, I'm like, are people at work going to think I'm not capable of doing the job or whatever? And maybe those thoughts don't linger, but they, they do creep into my head. So I think even I still have some of that like stigma left over or, or negative perception. So I think if, I, if it hasn't completely gone for me, then mm. you know, some of the old guard who are who are miles back with their thinking that there's there's a lot of work to be done. But I, you know, I'm 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 confident that that. In my lifetime, and in our lifetime, we'll we'll see the change. I always now say, you know, mental health is so generational. Like my granddad's ninety four, still alive. His viewpoint on mental health is completely different to mine. And then, you know, my boys, what's their viewpoint on mental health? Hmm. I always feel that if my great grandkids can look up and say, hmm. you know, oh, granddad or great granddad yeah. did something, yeah. then I'll be happy. I think it was going to take that much time. I think it's going to be a huge because of the education system, etc. I agree, because when, so when I talk to how my job's going with my granddad, for example, he, he wants to know how big's the team, have you taken any investment, yeah. have you had a pay rise? He wants to talk in, in terms of like business, whereas some of my mates will be more like, how have you been recently? So it's, you know, my, my, my granddad doesn't want to know about the, the actual work we do or people's mental health, he wants to know is, is the business growing. So I think, mm-hmm. It, it, there's like more emotional intelligence as the generations yeah, seem to yeah. go down, right? It's, it's, it's interesting. I think it will take a long time, but again, I think companies, everyone needs to start. You know, start and then, you know, you'll be further ahead as time goes. With the work you're doing at Sanctus, what kind of benefits do you see in companies and employees having? Mm. Yeah, so it, it's a wibble because we, yeah, we, we don't track a lot of like the data. So we, we don't track things like sick days, productivity. Um, we say that we... Although we work with businesses, so we're technically B2B, we say we're a B2C brand, like what we care about is the gym on the high street and the consumer. So everything we do is focused around the consumer. Um, so I think a lot of the 
the stuff we track is more qualitative, like we get anonymous feedback. But I think just reading some of that is is like mm-hmm. amazing. And if ever we get stuck in the day to day and work feels stressful, we sometimes just go back to that. And it kind of reminds us why we do what we do because yeah, people people leave comments saying that one coaching session or coaching sessions have have changed their life. And I think for me that there's no almost like greater success than knowing that someone's gone in for a coaching session and actually that their life has changed in whatever way that looks like for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I think some people do leave us more like quantitative data. Some people say that because of a coaching session, they've increased their billing figures or whatever. But um, I think it's that it's that kind of like heartwarming stories where people mm-hmm. say that this has got me through a hard time or it's, it's helped me make a decision I didn't know I needed to make. Um, I think that, that's what feels amazing. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, it's the same for me. The intention's always been to help someone like my dad or to help that one person. And then it kind of evolves around, you know, that. I think companies are very, again, as you say, caught up on the numbers, attaching an ROI to mental health. Um, there's an amazing CEO um, of a company called Julius Bear, David, um, and he just said, we're doing it because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> we're doing it because it's, it's, it's human beings. It's, you know, we want to provide the support for them. And I think if, if more people can have that outlook that, as you say, it's, it's someone's life, you're doing it because it's, you know, the right thing to do, then hopefully that's what we can start judging performance on yeah, yeah, no, as well. I think that I feel like everyone's mental health is their own responsibility and they need to take responsibility to look after that for themselves. But I do think the company that an individual works at has a duty to a degree to look after that individual. You know, companies expect a lot from people and I don't think it's wrong to, to help support people through a potentially long career in a business because it is the right thing to do. And and I think we, we take a pretty firm stance on it. Like we get some businesses who say they want to know what's happening in the coaching sessions, um, even if it's like themes. So maybe not individual th- feedback, but maybe we can feedback high level themes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we always stand firm and say, well, it's not what we're there for. We're there for the individual to have a safe space where things aren't, aren't fed back. And some businesses don't like it because they want to know, yeah, they want to know all the data and the stats. And that, that is fair. I understand that that, um, that helps to make informed decisions. But um, I think when companies are doing it only for that reason, then it's then it can be quite dangerous because mm-hmm. then suddenly people's mental health is measured against only a number. Whereas there's there's so much more to it than that. And and you know doing the right thing is is one of those things. Hundred mm, percent. So, George, I want to end it with two questions, um, if you don't mind. Um, first question would be that if someone's maybe watching this, they may be feeling in a place where you was before, um, what advice would you give to them to support themselves right now? Mm. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, this is what worked for me, and it's going to sound so cliche, but I, I always just say, like, reach out to, to someone. I know that sounds like so, it's the thing that everyone's saying mm. to do, and um, it's true <laughs> it, it, and yeah and, and you know some people might be in, in a place where they don't, they don't feel they can do that as easily but I think just speaking from from my own experience it, it was eventually reaching out to people that, that then allowed me to, to kind of learn more about what I was going through and actually reach in so it wasn't the ongoing reaching out that got me better it was it was doing that learn a bit more and then I could really go inward and, and work on myself and you know I reached out to people who 
didn't really know what to say or I probably shouldn't have or they weren't the right people and I got some bad advice or some stupid comments or whatever and I think that that was part of it but I also reached out to some people like the family friend and therapists who um, were amazing so I think uh, yeah as cliche as it sounds that that would be the thing I'd, I'd start with um, yeah awesome and then on the flip side of that if someone's maybe to look into support someone close to them whether it's a co-worker a family a friend what advice would you give to them yeah obviously you know everyone's everyone's like at a different point of their mental health and a different journey so I think um, you know you don't want to try and take the role of uh, the advice giver or um, yeah like the prescriber or telling them what what they should do I think you know obviously maybe maybe some advice can be can be useful but what people generally need at first at least is just like a listener someone to just lend an ear um, that person just wants to see to be seen, to be um, heard, to be acknowledged. Uh, I think that that can go a long, long way. And then, yeah, I think give give what advice you are able to give from from your own experience. Um, but I think I've always learned that sharing your own kind of experience as much as possible is, is what people can really, really relate to. So, I mean, if people share like a story with me now of, of their depression, I'll always share mm-hmm. mine. I think people can really, really connect with that. Um, and then I think talking about you know, personally the things I've I did to get better and say so that's what worked for me then you've, you've kind of given some people some, some ideas of, of maybe what where they could go next um, but really the, you know, the main things are, are listen check in with that person don't be judgmental um, don't tell them what they should do just just kind of maybe tell them what, what you have done mm. um, just just be there for, for people really support through love rather than support through solutions I guess yeah 100% I think that's, yeah, that's a perfect <laughs> um Jules, tell everyone where they can find out more about you. I know you're very active on LinkedIn at the moment. I've been following you, which is yeah, very, very good. Um, and following your footsteps. <laughs> and a little bit about Sanctus. So where can they find out more about you and Sanctus? Cool, yeah. So I'm, I'm just George Bell on, on LinkedIn. Um, and then for Sanctus, sanctus.io. Excellent. George, thank you for coming on, mate. Great. Really do appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this, please let us know in the comments below. And see you all in another episode very soon.